This gospel passage that we have heard today is some of the most used passage and part of Scripture. It is used in the fact that it's used for the defense for Catholics and for faithful to completely abandon their material wealth, leave everything behind, and to become poor. But if that is the idea understanding people hold to this gospel passage, this parable, we've lost all sight and all meaning behind the passage. It's not to condemn the wealthy for not helping the poor. It's not condemning the poor and raising the poor up because they're poor. But the question becomes, what and how do we look at poverty? What is the significance and importance of poverty? And what do we do with our gifts that we've been given? Because at that time, to have wealth means to be blessed by God. To be poor means you're being punished by God because of your current sin, the sin of your family, or because of other things, and therefore God is punishing you, and now he's made you poor. Which in this parable is not the case. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, The greatest disease in the, in the West today is not tuberculosis or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying from a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There is a hunger for love. Also, there's a hunger for God. And today in our gospel reading, we see that very clearly with the rich man and Lazarus. Because poverty doesn't just exist outside at a distance and far away from us. Poverty is at our side. If we look very carefully in our gospel reading today, the poverty of Lazarus wasn't him standing outside the door, wasn't him in the city or three miles away, but the poor of Lazarus was at the foot of his table, the table of the rich man. Poverty exists in and among us today, my dear brothers and sisters. There's poverty sitting in our pews today. But how many of us are willing to really admit and to see that? Some of the young people here sitting in our pews today are lonely, are isolated, are in families that seem from the outside to have love. But deep down within the hearts of these young people, they're needing love. The world is telling them love is a sentimental feeling within themselves. We are teaching them and telling them that love is sacrificial. Love is wanting the best for the other. Love is dying for the other and wanting the best for them to grow in holiness. But how is that the case? How do they rectify it? So they're sitting isolated alone by themselves trying to make sense all of this. 
which leads them to continue to isolate them and put themselves away from love because they don't know how to make sense of it. And we see our young people struggle with the ideologies of love of the society, with the confusion of how do I rectify and make sense of all of this. We see families broken, fractured, because of the same definition of love. How can I love someone when I'm not feeling it anymore? How can I love someone when we come to a disagreement? How can I love someone when they don't agree with me anymore? How can I love someone when they're not treating me the same way like when we were dating or just first married? The fracture begins and grows within the family. And then we see so many elderly people put into retirement facilities, isolated and alone by themselves. No one to care for them. No one to look after them. No one to even talk to them. They're there by themselves alone, staring at four walls, wanting to experience love from the staff of the facility, from having someone come to visit them. But they too are sitting there isolated and alone. That poverty of aloneness, the poverty of the spiritual deprivation of love. There's so much poverty existing in the world, my dear brothers and sisters. But how do we begin to change that? How do we begin to turn that around? There's an author from a book, I can't remember the author, to save my life. He wrote a book called Jesus is Greater Than Religion. And his conclusion really isn't too drastic or crazy. And we hear that conclusion today in our gospel reading too. Is we have so many people who can spew and recite theology, who can quote the catechism in the Bible verse by verse. But how many are there out here who actually live the gospel by the witness of their life? We hear at the end of our gospel reading today from the rich man, send prophets to my brothers so they don't have to endure this. Speak, have someone come from the dead to tell them they shouldn't do that, to change their ways. But we hear, even if the prophets spoke in front of them, it wouldn't matter. Even if the dead came to speak to them, it would, wouldn't matter. Because the gospel message is in front of us. We come here every week to learn about what God wants for us in our life. But as soon as we leave the church, it's a completely different person. We tell others that we should love God and love our neighbor. But as soon as we leave the church, we're already cursing other people. We're already yelling people about traffic. We leave the church already beginning to gossip about people. So how can people see that we are Christians? How can people see that we are a people of love? How can we bring that poverty of love to those in need if we ourselves can't embody that love? If we ourselves don't become the walking instruments of love, then what we hear today, what we speak about, and what we quote about from Scripture or from the Catechism becomes vain. We become vain in that. 
We lose sight of what truly our, is our calling, our purpose, and our mission. We lose sight of what it means to be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you and tell you that it's not easy. I promise you that it won't be easy. Mother Teresa of Calcutta says, Not all of us are called to do great things, but we're all called to do little things with great love. So the more that we practice, the more that we train ourselves in that love, the easier it will become for us to share that love with others so that the poverty of love, the poverty of spirituality doesn't become a pandemic in our world today. So that more people can come and experience and know of God's love in and through us. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God could have snapped his fingers and said, all of this is fixed. All of this has changed. But he comes to become flesh to show us exactly how to change the poverty of love. How to be word made flesh and walk the walk. To talk the talk. To share that gospel message by the witness of our lives. And that doesn't end there with the poverty. He leaves himself in the Eucharist in a very special and powerful way for each and every one of us. So that we ourselves who need that love in our life too can be nourished, can be fed, can be rejuvenated by that love. So that from that experience we can come and share that to the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we look at our own lives, I know even for me, I lack that love some days. I'm missing or having even within myself the poverty of love. But when you come to Christ in prayer, when you come to be rejuvenated at the Mass by His Word and the sacrament that occurs, we are then nourished and filled with that love. We're then invited to share that love by how we live our life. Those little things we do from within the nucleus, the nuclear church and our families will begin to amplify and multiply and exponentially grow. But it begins somewhere. It begins first and foremost within ourselves it begins then in our family, and then we can begin to change the world. But we all are impoverished in that love some way, shape, or form. But are we able to be in tune and to see that in others? Or are we waiting for our eternal judgment to find out how well we did? Amen.